Welcome to New Hope Underground, the home of everything you have ever wished for in life. Today's episode is entitled, Swedish Dining, and, COVID-19 is all the rage. And now here are your hosts, Darren and Charlotte Hansen. Hey, welcome to New Hope Underground, and we have a special session today. Special session? Special, what do you call this? Special episode. That's what we call this. Special episode today. We're going to talk about something no one's talked about for, I don't know, the last year at least, and that is COVID-19. <laughs> I know. Okay. Okay. So I'm pulling your leg, but, uh, no, we are going to talk about it, but I mean, obviously it's been the old, the rage, but today's going to be a little bit of, of a different feel. Uh, Drew has been really busy doing school stuff. And so I have my wife here to, together with me today, Sharla Hansen. That is me. We, we might as well just keep having Hansons on. Mm, definitely. We, we've had lots of Hansons on, so. There's a lot of Hansons. For some reason, I have access to, to Hansons. Mm. But anyway, uh, she's with me today, and she's kind of had a unique perspective, I guess, in some ways, of COVID this last year. Is that fair to say? From, in the sense of, from other people. I mean, not unique in the sense of, like, you're by yourself, but I mean, unique in the sense of most people listening. Probably. Yeah, I would say that's probably true. Yeah. And... Part of it, uh, won't you won't you go ahead and explain? Well, tell you what, we're, we're going to get into this a little bit deeper as we get in uh, through the through the podcast because we have good show for you today. We're going to talk about some uh, news stories like we always do, the real news as we always like to t- call it because it's it's uh, unfettered from the media machines that are out there. Uh, it's more of a, uh, a real raw news because nobody cares whether or not it's false or spend raw news. Real- yeah. Raw news. Real raw news. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It's compelling. In fact, I'm thinking about starting my own news channel called Real Raw News, RRN. But anyway, eh. I always wanted one of those microphones with the big with the big letters on the microphones. That RRN. Real Raw News. Coming mm-hmm. to you from New Hope Underground. Uh, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk uh, in our second part today. We're going to talk a little bit about lessons learned. And that's when we'll get into kind of your more, more unique experience, for lack Okey of a doke. better term. And... Uh, and then she's going to talk to us at the end. Uh, we're going to talk about our online church experience because that's been all the rage this all the year. Rage. You know, uh, all churches are doing online something or other. And uh, since uh, you've been, to use a real Christian word that's been ordained by on high, since <laughs> you have bar- partaking mm, of yes. uh, the online experience, I'd like to get your feedback on that. So that'll be good. So, okay. hey. Welcome and pull up a chair and uh, or uh, an exercise bike or treadmill or if you're walking or shopping. I don't know what you're doing, uh, but whatever you're doing, it's better now because you're listening to us. So here is the news story. You ready? Oh, I'm absolutely right. I, I ran into a couple news stories, actually, that kind of go hand in hand, like three of them that are all reflecting kind of the same thing in general, which is just weird things that people have done during COVID-19. Okay. Since that's our theme today. And uh, there's there's a someone is one thing that's been a challenge during COVID-19 has been dining. Dining. Okay. You know what I mean? And uh, restaurants have been had to shut down. You can't have people in your lobby. 
I mean, especially now, challenging if you live in Illinois and you're buried in snow. Exactly. I mean, there's those sorts of challenges it poses. But uh, I've got friends that are restaurant owners. That's been a really hard time, you know, for them. But people are trying to f- figure out ways how to how do you deliver curbside, all this kind of stuff, you know. Right. Well, there's a restaurant now in Sweden that has overdone itself, oh, in cool. my opinion, when it comes to COVID-19. And not only that, but they are they are booked for like a long time uh, because it's just become such the rage. And that's my phrase now I'm using all the, the time. The rage? The rage. Oh, okay. So picture this, if you will. Okay. A lone chair placed at a lone table in the middle of a Swedish field and it might just be the hottest reservation in the COVID-19 area of dining. That's right. There's a restaurant in a Swedish village, which is just a population of about 100 people, okay. in the middle of Sweden, in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of a field. It's just, just all they do is they uh, tend to the needs of one diner a day. Oh. You sit at a table, one chair, one table, out in the middle of a field in Sweden by yourself. Now, you would think, hey, this sounds good, COVID-19, but someone would have to serve me, right? So someone's going to be around. No, that's not what happens. Patrons patrons don't even meet their server. A three-course vegetarian meal is sent to the table in a picnic basket via a 50-meter rope pulley, taking at least some of the social awkwardness out of eating alone. Okay. So in other words, they put the food in a basket, use a pulley system 50 meters away, and bring it to your table through the pulley system. You take it out of the basket, eat, put the stuff back in, send it back, you're done. Don't ever see anybody. Don't touch anybody. I mean, this is what COVID's all about. I have a lot of questions about this. (laughs) A whole lot of questions. All right, start. Go ahead. Fire. Well, first of all, if it's in the middle of a field, why just one diner? Because if it's a really big field, you could have two diners 100 meters apart from each other, which is incredibly safe. Well, maybe they're starting off slow. You know, they'll expand a table at a time. It's a it's in a small village of people, just over 100 people. So if you think about it, one diner, maybe maybe their thing is this, that some people, COVID, regardless of you know, COVID or what, maybe they just want to be alone. Well, that's what I was wondering. Maybe they're tired of being with their family and they want a lone, a lone meal by themselves in the middle of nowhere where nobody's talking to them. That, yeah. I could, en- I would enjoy that. Don't you think some moms of young children would <laughs> pay big money to have that meal? I think moms, I think wives. Maybe some husbands, but mostly wives. <laughs> Maybe some husbands. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I think I think people of both sexes. I think uh, probably would, their kids might appreciate it even more than the parents. Yeah, maybe a, maybe a kid trying to get away from their yeah. parents. But I have another question. Okay. And maybe this is just me, but I'm not... I, okay, I'm kind of skeptical. I'm a little bit monk-like from the TV show. Right. 
Um, I'm going to be a little bit skeptical of a picnic basket that comes in on a pulley as being one <laughs> safe to eat. Two, I have a lot of questions. How long has that basket been sitting there? Well, I'm sure if since they're pitching this as a COVID safe environment, mm-hmm. I'm sure they're sanitizing everything. I mean, and you're a restaurant too, so you have to, you know, you got certain standards you got to uphold. Well, see, I'm, I'm envisioning it's outdoors, it's a picnic basket. You open your picnic basket, and inside is like, I don't know, bugs. I just can't do that. Well, it, they're only 50 meters away, and they're putting it in and sending it to you straight away. I, I, the bugs have to be pretty darn quick. Okay, then that brings another question. If you're supposed to be totally alone and you're not interacting, are they camouflaged then when they're sending the basket over? Because if that's, I can see that's a them... a good question. If I can see them, then they might as well be standing next to me. <laughs> I don't know. But <laughs> that's a really good point. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. really know. Maybe we could try this around here. I don't know. Maybe. Give it a shot. Uh, we could. We have a field across the street from our house. As we're looking out the window right now, we can see it. Maybe we could throw up a chair and a table out there and see what happens. I, I think we could do that. I'm pretty sure that the scavenger birds and especially the crows would probably interfere with that. My problem is not the birds. My problem is having to do a pulley system because I'd mess it up bad. Uh. I can't even do those, uh, what do you call those, ratchet straps. I had a hard time. Yeah, I wasn't going to say carrying that. Carrying a mattress but... in a truck yesterday. Well, let's just say I had to pick it up off the road <laughs> because I don't know what I'm doing with ratchet straps, which are the hardest thing. I mean, I don't know why God created those. But anyway, moving on. Now, that was one story. Okay. The second story, crazy mm-hmm. things during COVID-19 is that there was a uh, man in Barcelona who basically wanted, he, he wanted to get out and run. He was a runner. So, but COVID-19 disrupted his plans last March when he was going to run a marathon. So he decided he would run anyway. The problem is he lives in an apartment mm. and he didn't want to get out. So he figured out there's uh, basically he has a 23 foot balcony and he decided uh, it took him six hours and 48 minutes, which is significantly significantly slower than his three-and-a-half-hour marathon best, okay? But it took him six hours, 48 minutes, but he ran the entire marathon uh, in his apartment. 42 kilometers back and forth, 26 okay. miles, and his... 23-foot balcony. I applaud his dedication. That's really ingenious. (laughs) Is that a word for it? Ingenious? I feel like he needs to buy apology gifts for his neighbors because even if they couldn't couldn't hear him or feel him running, you know, from the vibration, they had to see that. And that's borderline crazy. (laughs) Well, six six hours. I can't even think of six hours of just pacing in your apartment. Uh, wait. Let alone running. Wait, 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 wait. Back up. You have paced pretty darn close to six hours. No, I don't think six hours. Well, it feels like six hours. Well, then I should get some sort of medal. I don't for know. Like a, what a marathon, a pair, a pacing marathon medal or something. I have a cooler marathon story. What's that? A guy I went to school with, you you actually know him. Um, he lives in Charleston still. Um, his name is Darren as well. He's a marathon runner. And last year, because of COVID, um, I think it was the Christie Clinic Marathon or 
I could be wrong. Something I'm around probably, here. One of the marathons that he was going to run in, it was a full marathon. So maybe it was, I don't know. It was a big marathon. It was canceled. And he was really heartbroken because he's trained for years and he's run several marathons. And it's just a big part of who he is. Well, the online community got together in our area and they actually marked out a marathon for him. Oh, wow. And he ran it and people recorded it and they he had people along the roads cheering him on. Now, how big was his apartment? He has a house. <laughs> so he went outside. He was outside, they were outside cheering him on. I can't imagine what it was like during COVID, like when everything was first happening and nobody knew what was going on in countries where they would tell you not to leave your house. Right. Because I'd kill people. Well, I think that's what happened here. This guy was from Barcelona. Uh, actually, well, he was he was going to compete in the Barcelona Marathon, but he's actually from France. Well, I understand. And uh, I guess, he probably had some restrictions, so he had to stay in the... You know, this is March when this thing kicked off. Right, and it's a more densely populated area, whereas right. we live in the middle of nowhere. And if we go outside, we're still very, very far away from people, so... Yeah, exactly. And and we have one table and one chair out there if we, if we want to eat. He doesn't have that. Okay, so here's the third story. Okay. Another, another crazy one, and this is recent... Okay, there was a man uh, that was going to California, taking an airplane, and uh, ended up at Chicago O'Hare Airport on his way out to California, but then freaked out, decided that because of the coronavirus, uh, he did not want to go home to California. Now, this, I, you know, I say recent, but I mean like within the last few months, I think. Decided he did not want to go back out to California. So he actually stole a badge of an operations manager there mm-hmm. somewhere in O'Hare airport. Mm-hmm. And he lived in the airport for three straight days behind the scenes and like some of the work tunnels, work areas Wow! and lived now ch- ch- check this out, lived, didn't have any money. Mm-hmm. So he lived off the food that was given to him by strangers. Huh? So does this... Okay, this brings more questions. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. I have questions as well. Go ahead. I Okay, first question. I understand maybe being freaked out, not wanting to go back because the media was playing out California as being the center of death. So for a while. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. He's in an airport. Right. And he's and, getting and, food from people. And how do you get to the airport? Yeah. And he's, I mean, in Chicago. Because he, he decided to travel yeah, during this time. He's begging for food, basically, from people. Yes. So he's trusting, one, that it's sanitary, and two, he's close to them while he's getting the food, and lots of questions there. Lots yeah, of questions. If he's getting questions or food from strangers, there's got to be contact. Exactly. From strangers. Right. I mean, what's the difference whether it's in Chicago or in California? There's zero difference. Apparently, he thought there was a difference. You know, the California people were just spreading COVID like crazy, whereas people in Chicago were not. Right. That leads me to my next question is, did he read the papers? Or, you know, or did he pay attention to media whatsoever? Because Chicago was a hotbed. It was a hotbed. And has been a hotbed from day one. Now, maybe, here's another so aspect, I don't get though. it. Maybe he was just afraid to get on the plane because I think... And I mean, I have no hard data to back this up, but if I were to gather because of COVID that airports are probably one of the most sanitary places to be. 
I just find this fascinating because this guy wasn't that old, you know. And I, I think, to me, it just sounds like an entire uh, media stunt. Thing. Yeah, like it I sounds just, a little bit like. I mean, he well, steals a badge. For, He's going to get arrested for this. He knows it. He could have just hung out in an airport for three days, and nobody would have noticed. I know. Why did he feel he had a? He felt like he had to go behind the scenes yeah. to. I don't know what. I have a looking, question. Maybe he was looking for like cake in the fridge of the break room or something. Maybe, maybe he's just trying to see how many cool places he could get into, or if he could <laughs> see, get I, himself a job. I in the think midst that's of it. when he got caught. It's like the whole coronavirus who knows if he was ahead of the cow it's kind of disappointing <laughs> just three days what kind of you don't really garner a whole lot of attention for that yeah you know I mean, what it's kind of like eh, you know what he needs what we need to the punishment for him needs to be he needs to be sent to sweden and yeah. sat down at that table in the middle of the field by yeah. himself for a long time and watch the guy run back and forth on his <laughs> balcony <laughs> there you go hey coronavirus stuff just it just makes you do crazy things Yep, this is our COVID episode, which seems like, you know, way late in the process are we having this episode. Maybe you were in denial. <laughs> well, the truth is we've talked about it, obviously, mm-hmm. a lot before because that's what's been going on this year. So that's been very much part of the conversation. I think the realization of the fact that it's not going to go away anytime soon. Mm-hmm. I think I think a lot of people really thought, hey... Started last March by this March. We're in March now, you know, a year removed that it would be over. You know, we'd be through it or whatever, but it's still hanging on. And now they're talking about other strains and everything else. And we don't know what's going to happen. We take day by day. But uh, I, I just thought it'd be good to get your perspective on lessons learned during the time for this last year, especially with COVID. Drew and I talked about this once before, but I think that I go to. I go to work. I I mean, I work from home as much as we can, but I also go to work. I'm out running around all the time doing our errands, things like that, uh, because I don't have any underlying health health issues. You've had some underlying health health issues. Mm-hmm. It's not the same for you to get get out and run around like it is for me. So your experience this year has been different mm-hmm. than mine. So I thought it's really that's what's interesting about COVID is that you can have people under the same roof and have two totally different experiences mm-hmm. for the past year in some in some ways. Mm-hmm. So I was just curious, like, lessons learned in COVID and you get the floor. How about that? That's terrifying, but <laughs> kind of cool. Lessons learned in COVID. Hmm. Yeah, because I think it's safe to say, I think the audience needs to know that uh, you've been uh, pretty much have there have been times of quarantine like when I had I had it for a while mm-hmm. and so you were quarantined and then our, our we had family that had it so we were you know isolated or quarantined mm-hmm. for certain amounts of time but for the most part you've kind of had a self-imposed yes quarantine for an extended amount of time uh, because of health yeah. issues like I, that's what I was saying and right. so that's why I think your perspective is a little bit different so that's what I mean what kind of lessons have you learned from this extended time well, I learned one that Netflix has a lot of TV shows that I haven't watched. So, no, that's just joking. Um, I think we don't even have Netflix. Do I we? know. 
I know. Well, I kind of hijacked it from a friend for a while. So. Uh, yeah, just for a short you time. You can't say that on air. Yeah. Um, I think... <laughs> I don't know if it's really a lesson learned more as more much as an observation. How incredibly polarized the whole topic is, which everybody knows. It's nothing new. But simply... Uh, my personal choices of how I chose to um, protect myself and my family were scrutinized. And I thought that was interesting. Hmm. And, um, and, and also, you mean in general or, or specifically both. Okay. Both. But I also think it's, I mean, it's, it's very clear. I want, people to understand while yes I did isolate it wasn't just you and I we have we had a pod and the pod that I chose was which I realized people will say well how is that different than anything else because all of those people are around other people yes but they're also very cautious because they're cautious for me and they're cautious for each other but we chose our our family to be our pod so we had our children and their spouses and our grandkids and our pod. And I think I would have gone crazy had it not been for them um, to be out and to go visit and spend time with them. Although knowing each and every time that we got together as a big group, it was a potential risk. And that actually played out at Christmas when surprisingly one was ended up positive who was contagious at Christmas, but then nobody else got it. Yeah, that was, was was surprising. Pretty miraculous. But we decided we got we got to have Christmas. We have to, yeah. and because that was one thing I was looking back, thinking, you know, I'm not going to regret spending time with my kids. I would, now, Grant, we didn't have your mom and stepdad come over because, and they didn't want to because they're much more fragile than even I would be, and so um, I'm grateful that they didn't put themselves in potentially in harm's way, but. At the same time, I would never have regretted if, even if I had gotten it and ended up in terrible shape. You know? So, what's the lesson learned then? The lesson learned for me is how important family communication yeah. is, and also, honestly, I kept in touch with some very close friends throughout all of it, and they. It just goes to show you don't have to, and I know this is, everybody knows this as an adult when you grow up, you don't have to spend your every waking moment with someone to be their, for lack of a better term, BFF. Um, you just don't. You can talk to each other. You can encourage each other. Um, it's not, you miss that time together. Sure. But, but it it kind of in some ways deepens a relationship. Because you can't just talk about silly things all the time when you're texting or calling. You want to talk about serious things. So so how much does, I mean, because we live in the media age, mm -hmm. and like you said, it's been very polarizing mm -hmm. in various ways, just election year too. So, you know, all this stuff. But how, what do you learn from that? What is, what's your takeaway? Like, uh, you know, because I've got the opinion that we don't, I don't need to listen to all to everything Correct. you know i don't need i don't need all that mm -hmm. uh and don't choose to listen to everything i'm, I'm not on social media a lot mm -hmm. a little bit here and there just to stay in touch with some people but that's about it but i but i'm just curious like what what lesson have you learned in the sense of like in the middle of all this provocation 
that could happen because what people say and do and post. I've learned as somebody who was very tuned into social media prior and you have a job, had a job in social media. It was a huge part of my life. Um, because of all of this, I've really backed away significantly. Um, that's a lot of voices and a lot of input and a lot of conflict and a lot of opinions that just really don't matter. And when it comes down to anything. Yeah. And I think for me, what I learned is that I have to quiet the voices for my own mental health. <laughs> I know that sounds so silly. I mean, and everybody claims that right now, but it's really true. I mean, you have so many voices and so many opinions and everybody's right. And I mean, I have good friends on one side of the subject and good friends on another side of the subject. So where I landed was I just don't have an opinion because I don't have all the information. All I can do is try to trust the people that are closest to me to, to come to conclusions if I have to come to a conclusion. Yeah. But for the most part, I've tried to stay away from a lot of media. Now, I did follow a lot of the COVID stuff just because the medical aspect of it is fascinating to me. But um, even got that got to a point where I was like, uh, everything's so sensationalized. And skewed. It really is. Yeah, so it's, it's spin, you know, spun, for lack of a better term. It, it really is. And it's hard to, you can't really trust. Right. And then when it all comes down to it, to your daily life, does it even affect your daily life? Does it affect my relationship with Christ? Does it affect how I treat the people around me? If it does, then maybe there's a problem there. You know, I just... So the lesson learned is that, I think a lot of people probably learned this lesson without even realizing it, is that... Social media is not what you thought it was. Oh, no. Into, it's or, or destructive. It, it can be a, a, a really bad tool in the hands, you know. Mm -hmm. It could also be a good tool. But, I mean, I think the thing is everybody knew that a little bit. But I think in going into this coronavirus here, it's even, uh, it's 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 probably taught a few people some lessons. I, I'm not sure exactly where I heard this quote, but this I just think it's amazing, which is so true. Self-expression is killing community. It really is. And I think that's true. Like, the self-expression everybody feels like they have a right to express themselves and it's almost become an idol in and of itself mm -hmm. that we, we 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 you know i love when i read philippians and i see like jesus uh, became human he purposely could have as a human on earth could have could have done all sorts of things as god and wiped out all sorts of people and everything but mm -hmm. he didn't he chose not to use his divine powers at times that he could have. So in other words, just because you have the power or the say or the right or the voice mm -hmm. doesn't mean that you should elect to to say what you want to say. No, that's so true. There's wisdom in withholding, mm -hmm. not just. So that's a good lesson. So. Well, one thing I always, which reminds me of this, is one thing that we always told our kids growing up is, you know what, you may say something, and you may regret saying it and you can apologize for it, but those words are never erased. Right. They're forever. And it's like toothpaste coming out of a tube of toothpaste. You yeah. can't put it back. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's one thing that has really stuck with me through all of this. And I just don't, I'm questioning myself. Like 
as I go back, I know this is funny, but I'm sure a lot of people do this. When you check in like on, on Facebook or whatever, you can check on your memories and see what you posted on that day, like right. all the way back to like, for me, like 12 years ago. And when I see the stuff I posted then, here's the thing I'm noticing. One, it was a lot of fun back then because it wasn't politics. It right. wasn't, everything wasn't a commercial for somebody's multi-level marketing and everything <laughs> wasn't politics and everything wasn't a recipe or a comparison. It was literally just a place where you just said what was going on and every people, people would comment on it. And then as you look through and you see how the, the heaviness changes through the gears, they go from something just kind of lighthearted to right. something that's intense. I don't, I don't see that as something that's beneficial to society. Yeah. Well, it is what it is now. Yeah. So, but I think, I think you've spelled out well, a couple of really good lessons. Yeah. Uh, one, you know, one being is that how true your circle of family, friends mm -hmm. is and how much they mean to you. And second, and you kind of learn that through this year. Other thing you learned through this year is just, is just how to navigate social media a little bit better and you know and maybe use those tools they give back you. away a little bit mm -hmm. yeah uh so i think those are really really good hey we're going to uh move on and talk about church online experience here in just a little bit stay with us Hey, what's going on at New Hope Church? Well, hey, let me tell you, we got a few things coming up. One is Easter, Resurrection Sunday, coming up the very first Sunday in April. And we are actually going to have two services on Saturday night that weekend and two services on Sunday, on Easter Sunday. So check out your schedule. Make sure you attend one of those and bring somebody. We're having four services so that you can bring somebody, have plenty of room, family, friends, and come celebrate with us. Hey, check out our groups, too. We have a group starting right after Easter. It's for four weeks on a Sunday morning. It's in person, or you can actually Zoom if you want. Uh, we can do both. But uh, it's with Matt Jones. Matt's going to be teaching through a series, uh, basically a series that we're going through on Sunday mornings for four weeks after Easter. Uh, we'll, we'll meet on those Sundays. So you can, go to, you can go to service one of the service times and go to group with Matt during the other service time. And if you've never joined a group, this is a great one to get started in. It's only for four weeks, and we're going to be talking about the sermons and the material that goes with uh, some material that goes with the sermons as we're going through that series right after Easter. So check that out. And then also, don't forget Shelbyville. We're, we're we have the four Shelbyville campaign going on right now, we're trying to raise money so we can debt you know with without any debt uh, take care of the renovations that we need to in the in the building that as we get started in Shelbyville, and hopefully soon we'll be starting. Sunday morning services in Shelbyville. So, hey, that's fantastic. Kind of got you caught up. Uh, one thing that's been interesting I want to ask since Charlotte's here is she pretty much attends church online. Correct. So, and has for the past past year. Now, we talked about how that's all the rage. Every church is doing something online, and mm -hmm. it's because, just like the restaurants having to figure out curbside, how do you minister to people during the time of COVID when a lot of people were afraid to come out and we had restrictions. So we couldn't necessarily for a while there, we were shut down entirely just for a short time. And then we came back, but we had restrictions on seating, et cetera, et cetera. And also you have a lot of people who just, even now, uh, like yourself, who health reasons or whatever have, have decided to worship with us online continually. 
I'm just kind of curious, like, to give us, uh, what's that been like for you? Like, what what do you enjoy about it? What do you miss about Sunday morning okay. attending? Well, first, I will say that I don't just watch New Hope online. I don't want that. Um, I, and here's why. Um, I live in a town that I grew up in, so when everybody switched to online services, it gave me an opportunity to kind of quote unquote visit my home church and also um, visit my sister's churches who live in other parts of the United States. And so I've enjoyed that. Now here's the thing on a Sunday morning though, I'm always at new hope and I always tune in live um, mostly as a connection to be with other people. Cause I know either if I'm not there, then I'm at least connecting with people online and, um, Except for the few times, like when my internet connection was bad, so then I'd have to catch it later. <laughs> what? But yeah, I know. My internet connection is never bad. I'm not sure what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. But um, I have really, really enjoyed it, and I hope it's something that churches continue because I think there's a lot of value in it. Um, I can't see us moving forward out of COVID. And when I say out of COVID, knowing that COVID's here forever, but I can't see us moving forward. Um, not incorporating some sort of online worship across the board for everybody because I think people are going to be cautious when they're sick. I don't think you're going to go to church and hear people coughing as much in the in the sanctuary as it used to be like, you know, where it sounded <laughs> sort of like a Yeah. I don't know, some sort of hospital, but um I think people will be really cautious and uh because they love people. But um I think it's a great option for um moms of littles who are sick for those who are sick those who are away and still want to connect um, if you're working it's a great opportunity to be able to catch the service later and still feel connected it's great to see the people um, who are leading worship to see the pastors who are preaching um, there I do have one critique go for it across the board there's one thing that I feel like is really missing and I think that when people are planning these services, they're not thinking this. But as an online viewer, I want to see the people that are there. Oh, yeah. I want to see a camera pointed out that shows the the congregation every once in a while. I want to see those people's faces that I've missed. We've actually talked about that. Part of it on our part is just lack of equipment. Right. And I'm sure that that's a huge issue for a lot of churches because they weren't really expecting it. Which brings me to another thing. It's been fascinating to see the difference in churches, ones who have... Um, maybe have the resources to be able to have the nice equipment and do things like that, which on a side note has been also really cool because I've heard of a lot of churches um, sharing their equipment and mm-hmm. offering to record for other churches yeah, and things like great. that. And that's a really cool. So also thing. some churches, some guy just setting up his phone. Though. I was going to say, that's the <laughs> next thing. And you can yeah. tell a huge difference. And I feel bad for him because a lot of times the audio isn't as good. But you know what? It's really sweet. Well, they're just trying to connect with the people in their, yeah. in their church. So. And I will tell you this. Usually in those churches that are real simple with just a guy recording with a phone, you do see everybody in the congregation because they have their phone back. It's well lit. You know what's going on because they don't have the fancy auditorium. But um, they usually have to turn it on really early because they're talking to everybody. So you see all these people milling about. And I love that. I want to see that. I want to see that. There's there's a degree of, I mean, I I appreciate the fact we're doing online services too, but there's something in the back of my mind, though, that just wants me to, I don't know, that just makes me think, okay, but this isn't it. Like, 
it's fine to have a service and watch it or whatever, but it doesn't mean you're really a part of it yet still. No. And I'm not so sure that just, I'm not trying to rel. The thing is, it's a fine line for me. And the reason is, is because I, when we're in this context, we're talking about a service on a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. But I just, how do you move people from like going to church to being the church, you know, kind of thing? How do we, if we're, if we're never in contact with one another, right. if we just. Right. And I know that's been a struggle for you because right. you're at home. I know what you believe about it, but I'm just curious your thoughts real quick. Well, I think that's, it's definitely a problem. I think it'd be real easy to, well, just like it is on a Sunday morning to get into the consumer aspect yeah. and mindset, which you just go and you watch a service and then you leave. It's the same thing. You just turn it on and then you go about your day like, oh, I checked that off my box. I participated. Um, which may I, not be any different than somebody who actually is there bodily. It's, it's very, yeah. very true. I know it, for it's, me. It's your mindset. I, right. For me, what I missed was um, what I have missed and what I do miss is feeling um, the connection with other people of purpose. Um, and I really can't define what that is exactly other than just knowing. However, I will say it's caused me to think outside of the box um, we live in the country, but at the same time, we have neighbors, close neighbors, because of the quote unquote compound we live on all around us. And this has caused me to reach out to them more um, than I ever have. Mm-hmm. And talking to them and giving them food, um, you know, dropping off bread, doing whatever, just trying to, even if it's just a quick, you know, two right. minute text right. or just a quick hello in the yard. I feel like more contact and more intentional conversations are happening now than they ever did pre-COVID. Oh, that's great. I think, I think you stumbled on the sound that I, need, I really want to, to accentuate, and that is this: that it really is about mindset. You could come here on a Sunday morning to New Hope mm-hmm. and be here bodily, but that doesn't mean you're here spiritually or mentally sometimes. Mm-hmm. And also, still not have any connection. You could leave. You could be just as anonymous as you want to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't try to force anybody into uncomfortable circumstances or just have you stand up, introduce yourself or anything like that. And purposely. So yeah, you could be anonymous if you want. Uh, but that's my question is, is that good enough for you? You know, if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, if you're someone who's following Jesus, is that good enough? It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. So you've got to find a way for a community to happen. And uh, it may not be, I, th- I think for us to relegate it just to a Sunday morning only service is is faulty. You know, in other words, uh, you could go to service every Sunday and still not have any community. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it really is about your mindset. So even though you're watching online, what are you doing about community anyway? I think um, one thing that I'm thinking about all of this that's as you're talking, one thing that's sticking out in my mind is that there really is a difference between going to church or watching church and thinking of yourself and being quote unquote being fed and thinking about what you're getting. Did I enjoy the service? Did I, did I, did I versus going watching or connecting with people who live around you or going to church and watching, um, in the service of the people that are hurting and getting outside of yourself. And I think sometimes that there's a confusion on what community is for me. When I think community, it's not just people that I hang around with all the time. For me, community is knowing what's going on mm-hmm. and not in a Gladys Kravitz sort of way, not a gossip yeah. way, but knowing, oh my gosh, they're hurting. What can I do to help them? 
I think that that's, to me, that's what community is. It's being connected in a way that it's beyond surface. That's really good. Thanks for pulling out the, uh, the, uh, basically the reference to bewitched. You're welcome. That's always a good thing here to happen here on underground. Mm -hmm. Hey, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, we're going to be back uh, next week. Actually, I hope to have a couple special episodes. I'm going to be in Florida, so I'm going to interview my brother, so uh, Brant Hansen. So hopefully you guys will enjoy that. Uh, so come back and listen. We'll see you later. Ten and